but the, the the converse is also not true. So like Drew's saying, you know, maybe during the off season you should increase your protein uh, consumption. Um, that doesn't mean that during the season you should decrease protein consumption. Mm. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Matchbox Podcast, powered by Ignition Coach Co. I'm your host, Adam Saban, and today we've got the final episode of our three-part macronutrient series in which we'll be covering protein. After our recording, I think we all agreed that perhaps we did save the best for last. Today's show is also brought to you by Flow Formulas. If you haven't yet tried any of their endurance sports-specific formulated nutrition products, then head over to flowformulas.com today and use the discount code IGNITIONPODCAST for 10% off your next order. They now offer unflavored low and high sodium formulas so you can dial in your specific electrolyte needs. Also, Caitlin mentioned some products that she uses by Thorne in the episode today, and she has graciously provided a discount code for anyone who's interested in trying those specific products. Use the affiliate link provided in the show notes for 20% off your next order. As always, if you like what you hear, please share this with your friends and leave us a five-story review. And if you have any questions for the show, send those to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email titled The Matchbox Podcast, or find us on Instagram and send us a DM. We've got a listener series coming up, so send those in now. All right, let's get into it. Yo, yo, welcome back to our three-part series on macronutrients. If you've been tuned in, this is episode three of our mini-series. And if you use your deductive reasoning, you will know that today we're talking about protein because we've already talked about carbs and fat, so process of elimination. Unless we just made up our own macronutrient and called it like dizzletine, but that doesn't exist. It's protein. Um, so, dude. Next product idea. We got tires, then we got oh, yeah, nutrition supplements. supplements. And just call it the most bizarre, like the most awesome names. It's like it's like energy drinks. You know, like, you know how cool energy drink cans look? Like like Red Bull cans are so cool and monster cans are so cool and they're just filled with garbage. That's what it'll be. It'll just have the coolest packaging and the least amount of sustenance actually inside that packaging. But have you seen have you seen um the company Liquid Death. That sounds yeah, I had, awesome. <laughs> I, yeah, I had some of those last week. The, like the Seven Eleven only had those. Like they were the only fizzies they had. Wow. Is yeah, there anything special about it, or is it just a bubbly water? It's just bubbly water. It's just a bubbly wow. water. But like their whole yeah. marketing, th- I, obviously the name Liquid Death is pretty. It's like a That's pretty good. crazy name for bubbly water. But then their like their logo and their and their artwork and everything. It's like quite. Quite a smart marketing play. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. I I like I read the entire can because I was certain there was going to be like 500 milligrams of caffeine in it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't I don't want to drink this at 10 p.m. if if it's got caffeine in it. But no, it's just straight water. Yeah, that's pretty. That's that's pretty cool. Anyways, (laughs) back to the topic. (laughs) So to get things started, I told these guys I have a funny story. Um, It's kind of funny, I guess. But we'll, we'll, we'll let you guys be the judge of that. I had some buddies in college, these two buddies that, and let me, what's the word? Let me pre, uh, I forget the word, but let me like, preface. before I tell, preface, that's the word. Let me preface this story with the fact that they were track cyclists, um, very different from probably all four of us here and most of the people who are listening to this podcast, tracks, like track sprinters, not even just track cyclists, track sprinters. And so these dudes looked like, bodybuilders but they had three rules for nutrition (laughs) rule number one was um calories are gold they weren't like the smartest brightest people but calories are gold uh number two and this is where it comes in today number two's rule was protein 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 and number three their rule was eat when you're hungry eat when you're full so like they'd always go around the cafeteria saying like calories are gold protein 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 eat when you're full eat when you're hungry so, um, I, but I, I would, I would change that, that statement of beliefs. I agree with most of it. Um, or I don't agree with any of it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I don't agree <laughs> with any of it, but I would for sure. Like the first thing that I think when I think is like, I'm going to change out protein, protein, protein for carbs, 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 but their training goals were like so much different than mine that maybe a protein, protein, protein approach made more sense for them. And we're going to talk about that in today's podcast. 
Like they were just trying to get as big as possible. Basically. Yeah. Were they yoked? They, well, I was going to, I was going to also, if, if whatever the opposite of preface is, I was going to end face, end face, whatever, you know, like the opposite. I was going to unpreface with the fact that they, uh, they were both like national champion, uh, track sprinters, like, like one had won the collegiate kilo national championship multiple times. The other one had won the sprints, uh, the sprints national championship, like every year. So these guys were legit. It wasn't like these are cat fives, just, you know, they were legit dudes. So, but you also have to, maybe they were on something. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I'm saying. It's like, wait, what what was the second part that you were about to say? These guys are legit. Like, no, no. After that, well, they're also just like their goals and my goals were completely different. All right, that never mind. What? What did you think I was going to say? You said you said you also have to realize, and then Adam cut you off. Mm. Oh, I was going to say you have to realize that yeah, that their goals were are much different than probably what all of ours are here. Oh, I, I thought you were about to talk crap about track cycling. Oh, well, that too. <laughs> you have to realize that track cyclists are usually twice the size as, as endurance cyclists, but most of that would probably be muscle mass, which is important. Right. That's a, So that's down the road of protein, because one of the functions of protein is muscle repair and production. Am I, am I wrong or am I right? So no, you're gonna, very right. All right. Well, then good. Then let's start this conversation. What is the, what is maybe, well, let's start with what is protein and what is its role? Let's start big picture. Well, protein is made up, different types of protein are made up um, from 20 different types of amino acids. And most people think there are nine, but there are nine essential amino acids that our body cannot produce. So we must consume them. And uh, Dylan, what, what are those 20 amino acids? <laughs> Off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just kidding. Why are why are nine of them categorized as essential? Because our body doesn't because our body oh. doesn't make them. Sorry. I was already so thinking about that. Come on. Diet. I was already thinking about the joke of making fun of Dylan. <laughs> I, I knew the answer though. You know all twenty amino acids? No. Oh, no. Okay. I could probably um, name a few of them, but definitely not all twenty. When I was reading, it's like the the process that I came across was like we eat protein, it gets broken down into like like you have complex proteins and then they just get broken down in the most basic form, I guess, would be amino acids. But in between your like intake of protein and actual amino acids, you have like peptides and polypeptides. And basically these are just less and less complex or more and more complex of amino acids being bonded together. But our body's pretty neat because we can we can take in these more complex structures of protein like poly polypeptides and break them down into amino acids. And then our body can actually take different amino acids and build them back up to different kinds of proteins that we need in our body. So it t- it's like it's like it takes apart the Lego pieces and builds it back but differently. Um which which is to say that our our bodies are really smart and can do a lot with with a uh, with protein. Which is super interesting because I did some research and I was like, well, why, you know, our bodies do that with plant protein and animal protein. And how do like, um, because we can get complete protein from combining plant proteins like oats and almond butter or rice and beans, quinoa and lentils, that kind of thing. But cows and cattle, like they only eat Mm grass and grain. So like, how do they get everything they need? Well, they're protein upcyclers. So they eat grass, but they take the nitrogen that's in the ground and they can make essential proteins, which is Whoa. crazy. That, and we can't do that. Wow. Yeah. That is pretty neat. <laughs> we should just um, all be cows so that we can eat grass and have, we won't have to have essential I don't think cows are faster riding bikes. Oh, then never mind. (laughs) We shouldn't be cows. (laughs) So what does protein do? Why why do we need protein? Tissue repair, muscle repair. But really interesting that proteins in our body are things like insulin. Insulin is a protein. Mm. So when we think carbs, we think insulin because insulin is what helps us get the glucose into our muscles, but 
that is in fact a protein. So that's why I was going to say, I think proteins, like, I think we saved the best for last. I think protein is probably the most important, but are, disagrees. are all, are all enzymes proteins? Yeah. Insulin, I, insulin is yeah. an enzyme, right? I mean, cause an enzyme mm-hmm. is basically something that, that helps create chemical reactions. That would make sense. When I was reading about the role of protein, I came, uh, yeah, tissue repair, muscle repair and production. Um, a couple other big ones would be like immune system health and hormones. I came across both of those. You know, I'm not, <laughs> you ask me how, and I won't be able to answer that question, but I can tell you that protein is important for both hormone health and immune system health as well. Very, very, two very important things. Like you don't want your home hormones to be out of whack and you don't want your immune system to be weak. And so protein has a pretty crucial role in both of those. And interesting enough, if, you know, having certain types of amino acids trigger certain types of responses, like myosin is, helps, or is very crucial in muscle contractibility, um, and that's a protein. Um, But you have to have specific, a certain amount of specific proteins floating in the body for certain things to happen. Um, And it's important, actually, to get substantial quantities of protein at specific times. So some people will say front load your day with protein end your day with protein instead Mm -hmm. of sprinkling it throughout the day because organ health, like your liver, like that can use protein whenever, like it can take your net protein from the day and use it no matter what. But, um, your muscle, your ability for muscle synthesis that something, I don't remember the nitty gritty details about it, but it's more important to get bulk protein in a specific timing for that protein synthesis to occur. If you're talking about like general protein intake throughout the day, I've always thought carbs early, protein late, as far as like on the general cycling focused diet where I have a ride at some point during the day, and assuming that that's a long ride or a hard ride, not just like an easy day or something like that, I would want to prioritize my carb intake in the morning so that I'm preparing and fueling my ride that afternoon. And then afterwards is when I would maybe want to start to shift the focus to more protein intake. But I think Dylan also has some some uh, uh, research studies that he's memorized in that brain of his on Cause like, I think, I think all of us think when we think about protein is like, oh, yep, got to get that protein shake 30 minutes after my ride. Like that has become a staple within, even within cycling, but you know, especially in the, like the gym bro life of like the protein shake. Um, so is that legit? Let's hear it. New new studies are actually saying that for untrained athletes, yes, it's important to get protein as soon as you're done exercise but the more trained you are the bigger the window you have after mm. which is yeah i think dylan's you know, a pleasant surprise yeah i think dylan has said that and he even said that the difference between males and females is different right like females have a shorter window and males have like an entire day trained i guess but i was referencing the the study that dylan has memorized about the two groups that one was totally carb focused recovery and and, but they changed the ratio of carbs to protein. Do you know you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, Isn't this the one that we were going to talk about for carbs, but then you were like, oh, let's save it? Possibly. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so I, I think that some people think that they need like a protein shake after a workout, um, whereas the the window for protein is pretty big. Like there's some research suggesting that it's like a 24-hour window, which like clearly you're going to get protein in in the next 24 hours after your workout uh whereas the carb window is much smaller um if you want to replenish your lost glycogen stores at a quicker rate so they've done they've done research where they've had people do carb carb only uh protein only and then carb plus protein and the early research on that they didn't they didn't control for the number of calories. So it looked like carb plus protein was leading to quicker recovery. But when they control for the number of calories, carb only saw the click, the quickest, uh, glycogen resynthesis. Mm, So we might be even talking about 
two different things or I don't know. I had never, so you're talking about glycogen specifically, like, uh, like the focus on that study was was how fast can you replenish glycogen? So, but maybe your protein intake, obviously you're not trying to replenish glycogen when you're intaking protein, but you're the goal of like intaking protein after a workout is this idea that it, it repairs your muscles Mm -hmm. and, and, and carbs, carbs can't, right? Yeah, I mean, so glycogen resynthesis is part of is part of recovering quickly, right? Yeah. So that that's what they were measuring, and if you want to, I mean, it's for people who who know about, know about this stuff, it's probably not surprising that just consuming a lot more carbohydrates replenished glycogen stores quicker. But it's just you know, yeah, important to point out because some people think that like you need a combined protein or you need to consume only protein after a yeah, workout. I think, I think that the misconception is only protein. I think people put an overemphasis on protein, but if you look at cycling specific recovery mixes, it's most of the time, I think the general ratio is three to one, three carbs to every one protein, which, which obviously like whoever made that recovery mix has read those studies and realizes how much more important or how, how important carbs are in the recovery process versus protein. And it's not just like a hundred grams of protein. It's like you can have 90 grams of protein and 30 grams of carbs. That's probably a lot, but (laughs) cut that in half, like 45 grams of 45 grams of, uh, carbs and 15 grams of protein. It's not going to be just protein, which I feel like that's the misconception is that people need to just, swallow protein powder (laughs) that sounds miserable (laughs) don't do that um well to bring it back it's important to note they all work together you know we have to have protein um carbs and fats and i was gonna i was gonna also mention with like the essential amino acids like the ones that we can't get in our diet if, if if you're freaking out right now thinking like oh snap am i getting all nine of these you probably are if you're eating a wide variety of foods. Um, it's not, it's not very hard to get all nine of these or all 20 of the amino acids, but our body makes some of them, but the nine that our body doesn't make, it's not very hard at all to get those or, or, or otherwise we'd be seeing a lot of people with like these deficiencies and we're not. And so I was going to say, you know, there's like two, two sides of the coin. Um, we're probably not protein deficient, which means like you probably don't need to really focus on protein. I disagree. Oh, okay. But I was also going to say on the other side of that, so maybe this is where Caitlin is going, is that our body doesn't store protein like it stores fat and carbs. Like like we've talked about, your body can store enough fat to go for days and days and, and weeks and weeks. You could run you could run nonstop for at least an entire day just off of your fat stores, probably way longer than that. And then carbs, we know that we can store, you know, roughly like 90 minutes of, of high intensity work. Uh, but, but, the, but that's carb and fat storage. Whereas we don't really talk about protein storage. You don't really store it in the same way you do fat and protein. So it's important to be taking in protein because your body doesn't exactly store it. But also I think, or I've read that we don't usually like, I don't know, you, you can't take in too much protein or like have too much. So I don't know, maybe that opens the door for Caitlin. Okay. Going back to the amino acid thing. Um, I don't take a lot of supplementation, but I do take thorns amino complex. Um, it's just a little powder. You drop it in your water. Tastes really good. Tastes like makes it taste like lemonade. Anyway, I do that before bed because I feel like your body goes into its most restorative state at night. So that's just when I do it, but you can take it whenever. Um, I talked to Adam. I have a link to get you 20% off that through Thorn. I really trust Thorns. um, They're quality control and they make sure that everything is certified safe for sport. So check that out in the show notes. Um, And then going back to protein being just super important, interesting, um, how the RDA came about of our recommended daily allowance. Um, so the RDA is based on a nitrogen balance. And so we're really good at looking, measuring the nitrogen in. So we can tell, like, look at anything. There's, you know, six grams of protein in this. That's the nitrogen in. Well, the nitrogen out is urea. It's, you know, your waste. It's 
it it's also the nitrogen that you respirate and it's hair loss and skin cell loss and all of that. And that is what's really hard to measure. So they just say the average person needs 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. And then that's, that's like your normal, normal, not highly tra- like not yeah. somebody like us training a bunch. Yeah. So then they say, well, if you're active, it just, there's so many conflicting numbers thrown around and I feel like they're all just guesstimates. Okay. It's like 1.2 or 1.6 grams. Yeah, I've heard um, 1.2 for athletes. Yeah. And what they don't tell you, you know, being totally transparent, I am primarily plant-based athlete. I know Dylan is, and, um, it is very, if you are going to make that decision, it is very, very important to be on top of making sure you're consuming enough protein. Because if you're thinking, you know, you're a vegan athlete and you're thinking you're getting your 1.6 grams of protein per kilo, it's what they don't tell you is that plant protein is attached to fiber that the plant needs for its root structure, whatever. And some of that fiber is indigestible to us. So if you look at your wheat bran or whatever you're getting your, whatever you're getting your protein from, and there's like four grams of protein, well, you might actually only be getting two grams. Pretty crazy. Yeah, no, I agree that with what you're saying. That was definitely news to me. But I'd also say that the vegan profile of, of, athletes is probably the minority and not the rule or the exception and not the rule I'd say. And, and what you just said, I've also read, I said that, that vegan or vegetarian athletes need to probably look at the general, um, protein recommendation and add at least 10% because of the bioavailability of protein in plant. Yes. Plant that's sources. the word bioavailability. Yeah. yeah. And that's basically and then- like plant, plant sources, yeah, your body can't use as much. So you have to actually take in more, which is, which is hard for vegan athletes because one of the, one of the good things about meat is that it is very protein dense and like meat and dairy. Um, I'd say that's probably the number one benefit of meat is that it's protein dense. Yeah. And the bioavailability, availability of even isolated products like whey and, and soy, so you look at your protein powders, even the whey protein, you're going to absorb that better than like your pea and rice protein. Yeah. So again, nothing wrong with either. Just probably need to up your protein consumption. Yeah. And another... And protein's in everything. Like I feel like we, we as maybe Americans, over overgeneralize things. Like we see things very dichotomously, like yes or no, black or white. And like... Bro, broccoli has protein in it. Like mm-hmm. bread has protein in it. Like these things that you think of as like oh, pff, vegetables don't have protein. Like potatoes have protein. Like you can't think of food as a macronutrient. Food is a mixture of all the macronutrients and almost all food has some portion of protein. Sometimes it's just very, very little. Yeah. And I do want to point out that it's important to, I think protein is somewhat different from fats and carbs in that it needs to be seen as an absolute number. Because if you weigh X amount of kilograms, you need to consume like this much protein. So if you're looking at it as a percent of your daily calories, if you cut your calories, you're not, you can't cut your protein. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I agree with that as well because because if you go back to our carb or if you go back to a carb focused diet and you're looking at percentages, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you naturally if there's a period of time or a phase of training where your training is like extremely high intensity or a bunch of volume, you're gonna have to intake or you're gonna have to increase your carb intake. And that's naturally going to decrease the proportion of protein. But that's not meaning that you're decreasing your protein intake. It's just meaning that carbs is going to start taking up a bigger portion of the pie. And it's going to look like protein is taking up a smaller portion, but you're actually just taking in the same amount of protein. So I say all that to say that it's not a it's not a proportion or a percentage. It is a it's a hard number, like what Caitlin just said. Like it's a grams. Instead of saying, Oh, I'm going to try to shoot for 15% of my diet to come from protein, you should say, oh, I'm going to shoot for 80 grams of protein. Mm-hmm. So what is the, do we have a 
Do you think there is a good suggestion? I've read 1.2 to 1.3 for athletes that are training hard, but I've also read that like, it's not very hard. It depends on what, what are you, I mean, you're specifically talking about cyclists in that, in that context, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Endurance athletes. Yeah. Because like bodybuilders or, you know, gym athletes, you know, strength athletes, they, you know, it's like up to two and a half. Yeah. I read that the rock, you know, the rock, uh, (laughs) he's like over four, over four grams. Yeah. He probably eats like 40 eggs a day. Yeah. I think he said like something like. So much, dude. Eight, eight chicken breasts throughout the day. (laughs) Gross. Yeah. I would say for like masters male, um, athletes like 1.6 yeah um because people look at like uh you know take a 45 year old man or older he looks at his five-year-old kid who fell down scraped his knee and his knee is totally healed in like five days and he's like i fell and you know scraped my (laughs) knee would take me like three weeks why are his proteins better than mine and as a child you're more efficient you're Mm. absorbing that protein more efficiently but as you get older, you're less efficient. I don't know the proper terminology here, but you, your response to protein is the same. So there was a study done where it was like, if you, they doubled the amount of protein, like just say they had a 20-year-old who was consuming 80 grams and a 60-year-old consuming double 160 grams, like they responded the same way to something. So I don't know. You just need more protein as, as you get older. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to maybe pose the question of like, are there times when we should focus on increased protein? And one of the answers to that question is the older you get, the more protein mm-hmm. you need. Um, and also another another answer to that question is when you're sick. I've read that when you're sick, you need to maybe think about intaking your or increasing your protein because like I said, protein has something to do with your immune system. So if you're sick and you increase that protein, that's, that's like you're fueling, you're fueling yeah. fire for your immune even, system. Even more so when you're injured, super important. <clears throat> yeah. yeah and, and I was reading there's, so there's essential, there's non-essential and there's conditional amino mm-hmm. acids. And those conditional right. amino acids are helpful for um, immune system health and yeah, certain muscle or in ligament repair. Um, and, and those conditional, they're, they're considered non-essential, but they are essential when you're in that state of, um, mm. you know, either sickness or injury. Um, even like if you're, if you're suffering from some kind of, um, something that's affecting like brain function, um, then some of those conditional amino acids can become more important. I wonder what those amino acids are, because if you look at some gels like hammer products or the goo that has the roctane in it, they have a blend mm. of amino acids in them. It's like we know exhaustive exercise is catabolic. So what do they think the role of those amino acids are? Like, are you, I mean, I know you're not going through protein synthesis during. Yeah, so I did did have the list of the conditional amino acids. Um, Let's see, arginine, cysteine, glutamine, tyrosine, uh, glycine, uh, ornithine, proline, and serine. But I have no idea if any of those are in. <laughs> I don't know. Rock-tain. I have like nothing to say about any of those words I yeah. just heard. <laughs> like the only one that I like, like. I've heard of tyrosine before. I know I've seen that in something. Yeah. And glycine. Most energy drinks have taurine, but that's probably not the same thing. No. Add an S in there. Um, it's an amino acid. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I thought taurine was like, was like dizzling. Like it's made up. <laughs> it's just made up. Yeah, probably. Um. I did come across this, and, a, and okay, so I got this from a book, and the book for, was from 2004, so it's probably outdated in what I'm thinking, but I read that it during exercise, our body actually uses 10, 10 to 15% of our total energy expenditure comes from protein, and that sounds inaccurate in my opinion, but I I couldn't like point to a study or anything like that, like, yeah. I've just never heard of protein well, as a fuel Well, your body source. uses proteins to help break down food, so I don't know if maybe they're, right. they're factoring that in. I guess total energy expenditure is is maybe not the same thing as like that, you know, like that chart that I keep referencing about how quickly your body is burning carbs versus fat and that it changes. Mm-hmm. Like is should protein be on that chart as well is like kind of the question I'm thinking in the back of my head. But 
maybe it's like, I, or maybe the way I'm thinking of it, or maybe the answer to the question is that protein is, is you're using your body, your body is using protein for more of its, um, bodily functions. Whereas when you're fueling your exercise, it's not, you're looking more at carbs and fat and not. Okay. So here we go. So the body needs protein to maintain and replace tissues and to, and to function and grow. Protein is not usually used for energy. However, if the body is not getting enough calories from other nutrients or from the fat stored in the body, protein is then broken down into ketone bodies to be used for energy. Um, And I think what that's basically saying is like, it's probably the last resort. Yeah. So it's super inefficient. Yep. I agree. Yeah, gluconeogenesis, right? That's like when our body makes glucose out of other things. It's not a very good process. We should just have glucose and so that our body doesn't have to make new glucose. But I mean, you're also talking about like energy metabolism, which I've been reading a lot about. And your body can't just stop doing like your body just doesn't pause when you're working out. And at least this is maybe, maybe it does. I don't know. I'm just going out on a limb here and saying, I don't think your body stops like fueling your immune system and creating tissue and uh, like monitoring your, your hormones, which protein is a part of all those things. So it's not like your body just stops doing those when you start working out. Um, So those things are kind of happening in the background maybe. And that obviously protein is needed for that. Some drink mixes have like, like the, like the super, um, yeah, like I think, uh, hammer fuels, they have like a go long fuel or something like that. And they used to put protein in it, like very small amount. Um, but they had to have it like a reason for why they put protein in it. Maybe they were referencing your 2004 study. Yeah, probably. (laughs) I would say that protein in a drink mix that you're like using to perform optimally is probably not the best. Yeah. You should probably just have straight carbohydrates. There's some research that suggests that like not maybe if you're you'll... not if you're touring, not if you're doing some event that's like that's you're like not so trying to the, that's like so the do outlier. a high intensity. Well, I was about to say there's like some research that would suggest that you might be able to recover faster if you had mm. protein in your like on the bike food, but it's not going to help you perform better in the moment. That makes sense. If anything, it's going to, it's going to help. It's, you'll perform worse because it's like more, it's more stuff for your body to process. Didn't, um, uh, not if you're, not if it's just like pure amino acids. That's like, it doesn't, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's another thing for your body to process, it's another thing for your body to process. (laughs) I remember when we had the flow guy, uh, Caleb, Caleb, when he yeah. was on here, we basically, and maybe this is an overstatement or maybe I'm misquoting you guys, but I remember listening and thinking, didn't you guys say that anything that's in your drink mix that isn't like for performance is just like, shouldn't be in there. You should just have yeah. what you need for racing, like in your hundred percent. Yeah. Everything else is just, uh, distracting, I guess. Or, so what about like mm-hmm. stage racing though? Yeah, you could make the argument that you might want pro- protein in your bottle for stage racing. Although I will say that the evidence <laughs> That's for, what Caitlin was getting at. But, uh, but what I'll say before before that is what I'll say <laughs> is that the evidence that protein in your on-the-bike drink mix will help with recovery is like, it's like weak at this point. It's not like a super strong, like if you have protein in your bottle, it definitely helps with recovery. I would say it's like a weak correlation at this point. Yeah, if all of this interests you to look up Dr. Don Lehman, he's out of some Midwestern university that escapes me right now, but he's looking into the role of amino acids during exercise and some other really interesting things like um, the role of protein at a young age and reducing the risk for obesity, things like that. Pretty interesting. Just a quick aside, there the thought there is that if you, um, DNA is protein and if you aren't getting enough protein at, you know, early, early, early ages, like newborn, et cetera. You turn um, into a robot. Your DNA isn't totally, <laughs> your DNA isn't totally developed and, uh, your potential for lean tissue is decreased. So like you could have had more muscle had you gotten more protein as a child. So then you deposit fat easier. 
and mm. that puts you at a higher risk for obesity. Really interesting. Wow. Dizzle, we got we to gotta start pumping our kids with protein. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the only other question I, or I don't know, I keep asking the question, like, when should you, when should you think about increasing protein? And we've said when you're sick, when you're, I think when you're, I don't know, we've talked about the training part are injured. Um, another answer to that question could be when you're trying to lose weight, you guys may or may not agree with me on this, but protein is from all three of the macronutrients, fat, carbs, protein, protein is the highest satiating macronutrient meaning when you eat protein it fills you up longer and i'd say carbs is probably the the least satiating you eat carbs and you get hungry quicker um and and it's it's a body composition thing so when you're trying to lose weight you're also trying to preserve your lean mass because you burn more at rest you know yeah. So the I was going to say, you if you're trying to lose weight, it shouldn't be when you're trying to perform, first of all. So if you're trying to lose weight during the race season, probably not ideal. So if you're trying to lose weight, you should do it during the off season, which is also when you're going to be hitting the gym harder, which you could be, you could also improve your body composition with an increase in protein there. Because obviously, if you take protein while you're lifting in the gym, you could increase some of those like muscle adaptations and all that. So off season. Slash when you're losing weight, because when you're losing weight, when the goal there is like you're trying to decrease total calorie uh, intake um, and you if 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 fat and protein are both satiating, you'd rather lean towards taking in more protein as the more satiating macronutrient because you don't want to just be taking in more fat if you're trying to lose weight. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but but just like carbohydrates, excess protein eventually gets stored as fat so you can't you can't uh, you can't take you can't do it does the, uh, it does you sure i'm like 99 percent sure yeah um okay. you can't you can't have an excess in in protein consumption um who are you referencing it before that that does for the for, rock uh, the rock yeah so like if you don't have a workout regimen like the rock i wouldn't no, i wouldn't yeah. recommend trying to consume four grams of protein as yeah. your like weight loss mechanism yeah, agreed. Um, but the, the the converse is also not true. So, like Drew's saying, you know, maybe during the off season you should increase your protein uh, consumption. Um, that doesn't mean that during the season you should decrease protein consumption. Mm. You know, you go, you still have to go back to that, you know, that um, you know minimum dose for um, for your you know or minimum recommendation for your uh, body body mass. Um, yeah, if you're if you're gonna. Maybe this is a whole nother topic, but if you're trying to lose weight during the off season, the way that that's going to happen is probably from decreasing carbs, I would guess, and fat. Yeah, maybe increasing in training volume. Yeah, increase your training volume, decrease a little bit of carb intake, and then you're going to end up, obviously you're going to end up with a, ca- the, the goal is to end up with a calorie deficit, but also to do that with the least amount of hunger pains as possible. And so protein helps with like making it doable. Yeah, and, and part of the timing of doing it in the off season too is it gives you more time to achieve those weight loss goals because uh, too rapid of weight loss can also deplete like your um, health and bodily functions too. So mm. I don't know. We're we're not really this is this episode yeah. isn't really intended to be a yeah. weight loss episode. So sorry, maybe we don't want to get into too deep into that. Um, um, so can we give so because I'm I'm curious. So Caitlin and Dylan, since you guys are both plant based athletes. Um, Drew, I think you and I at times have tried the plant-based. I've tried it and I've learned a lot from it, but I still, yeah. and so my, my, my ratio of plant-based has definitely increased over the years, but I still eat mostly just like chicken and turkey. Yeah. So let's, let's give some, some, um, you know, foods that we would consider, you know, good sources for protein. Um, Caitlin and Dylan, if you guys have good plant-based, plant-based ones, options yeah. if we're looking at getting like a complete protein like i said um pairing certain plant-based products like oatmeal and almond butter that's a complete protein quinoa and lentils rice and beans pita and hummus you know like drew said you'd actually be surprised how much has protein in it um but a really good source of plant-based protein is tempeh which is kind of a firmer source of soybean like a like an extra firm tofu but it's just a different texture it's 
pretty good. It's hard to find, or at least where I live. Mm. I've tried to look for it at the store and haven't had luck. But yeah, I've never I haven't looked I, for it in a while. Yeah, and I, and I don't I I don't mind tofu, um, but I usually my usually my usual complaint is that it's not firm enough. Mm-hmm. So maybe I should try tempeh. Tempeh. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, like I said, I'm not big on supplementation, but I think we should look at you know protein needs as amino acid needs. So getting those amino acids in, um, just making sure I got everything I needed during the day. And then um, Thorn also makes a good vegan protein powder. So you can find that on their website as well. Dylan, got anything? Protein? Well, I thought that was great. I mean, those, those are all protein sources that I like. Come on, somebody say the really mm. cool word that 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 vegans. What? It's like there's like a really cool category of food, and I love this word, legumes. It's such a cool. <laughs> that is such a cool word. That's a lentils and legumes. <laughs> I just think that's a cool word. Like, oh, what are you having for dinner? Legumes. <laughs> that's just yeah. I, I do eat a, a cool lot. Of, word. I do eat a lot of legumes. Yeah. <laughs> Legumes is like a huge category of food. It's like all the beans, all the lentils, all the, it's like all kinds of stuff. Sure. But legumes is a huge portion of like plant-based uh, protein intake, right? A lot of people don't, don't really include legumes in their diet at all. Which like is crazy because average it's a good of fiber. Yeah. But, but like that's one of the staples of a, of a vegetarian vegan diet, right? I mean, I would say for a lot of vegetarian and vegans, but yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I was staying with the jukebox guys and like, uh, I don't know. They were like all, I don't want to say they were all, but like, for example, like Adam Roberge was like shocked that I was eating beans. I was going to say there is somewhat of like a, a misconception that beans are unhealthy or something. I don't know. But beans are like really healthy for you, right? Maybe like refried pork and beans or something. <laughs> I, I, I'm going out on a limb to say, were they surprised because it was high in fiber and that like they were concerned for you in that regard or? Yeah, I don't know. I think Adam was just like, I think he said something about how beans make him fart. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> Pro- yeah, yeah, this- just your typical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've said this on the podcast before. Like if you're not used to a high fiber diet, like don't do anything different before a race. Like if you see yeah. someone eating oats on the morning of a race and you like typically eat pancakes, yeah, you probably shouldn't have like thick rolled oats that morning. Anyway. Nice. I what mean, you, Drew, you got anything else? Any other I, foods? I like try to do my best to steer clear from red meat. So that kind of like leaves behind chicken. And I think chicken is probably if you're, if you're, if you're eating a meat, a meat diet or not, not all meat, if you, incl- <laughs> if you include meat in your diet, <laughs> In my mind, chicken is at the high, that's like that, the best form of, of protein or just clean meat, I guess. But, um, so that's, yeah, that's like, that's probably the number one. Depends how it's cooked too, obviously, but yeah. yeah fried chicken. Yeah. With the exception of Chick-fil-A, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, chicken, I, we eat a lot of beans here too, actually. What about like eggs? Do you guys, do you do eggs, Drew? Dylan has really swayed me on that one. I don't do as many eggs as I used to. Maybe like once every two weeks or something. Yeah, dude. What did you say to him to get him to drop the eggs? I can't remember what I said to him. I'm sure Drew remembers. Cholesterol. It's just like you don't need all that extra cholesterol. Yeah, I mean. They're super high in fat. We've already talked. You don't need to eat more fat. And they're super high in cholesterol. So, like, they are one of the, they're known as one of the best complete sources of protein. But I also, like, eat chicken. So, I don't exactly need to eat eggs and all the other maybe negative things that are in eggs when I'm eating chicken and getting protein from that. Yeah. So, this is, like, this is, we're getting off on tangents here. But, like, they've done, I know that people listening to this are going to be like, what eggs, dude? I thought eggs were so healthy. (laughs) And it's all, the thing is, it's all relative. Here's what you got to understand about food is that people like to put it into boxes of like, this food is healthy, this food is unhealthy. And I think the better way to think about it is like, this food is healthier than this food, which is healthier than this food, which is so like, what does, what does your diet look like to make sure you're getting everything and you need? 
I guess that's not really what I was getting at, but okay. <laughs> um, like, for example, eggs are healthier than like a Coca-Cola, right? But that doesn't, <laughs> but like a Coca-Cola, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's on a, it's on a scale. So like eggs could be healthier. If you're adding eggs to an extremely unhealthy diet, you could be making your diet healthier. If you're yeah. adding eggs to an extremely healthy diet, you could be making your diet less healthy. Does yeah. that make sense? I agree. And, and it's because yeah. here, here's why I don't, I don't want to go on this tangent for too long, but they've literally done studies where they eggs have so much cholesterol in them that they have had people on plant-based diets add eggs to their diet, take away eggs, add eggs, take away eggs, add eggs, take away eggs. And it's literally like a light switch for raising and lowering their cholesterol. Add eggs, cholesterol goes up, take away eggs, cholesterol goes down, add eggs, cholesterol goes up, take away eggs, cholesterol goes down. We got it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Glad you got it. <laughs> Um, that whole thing, I was about to add something else, but now you just, you just totally erased whatever I was thinking. Yeah. So, and, and I've seen, um, like I've seen some people argue that like eggs are like the, the proteins or amino acids provided by eggs are better absorbed by your body than proteins from plant-based sources like legumes or, um, you know, grains. But I think, I think what they're missing is that key that Keila is talking about where like, yeah, that's because some of the amino acids are are you know linked to fiber in those plant based sources. So you just need a little bit more. It doesn't mean that like you can't get the same quality of or you know volume of proteins um, absorbed from the, the plant based options. It's just you might need to account for that extra ten twenty percent. And then look at all the other added benefits you're getting from sure. doing it that way. You're getting micronutrients and. Yeah, fiber in your diet. So one, so one, one last other thing on, one last thing on eggs. In okay. Fitzgerald's racing weight book, when he's talking oh, about gosh, eggs, no. he says he says what Dylan just says, and then he just kind of leaves you on a cliffhanger because the last sentence he says is that there have been studies that have shown that people who include eggs in their diet are leaner than people who don't. Oh, jeez! But that's, that's so... like that's like so far removed from what the actual benefits or disadvantages of eating eggs are. You know what I mean? Like. He just kind of says that, and you're like, "Well, I don't know if that's exactly like helpful or not." That's a pretty big statement to say, like, "Oh, people who eat eggs are leaner." You know, I don't know. Yeah. Doesn't so, mean you should or shouldn't eat eggs. Yeah. So, so one more food group that I was going to add because um, I thought this was really f- interesting and kind of weird when I when I read it, but um, mushrooms contain 17 amino acids. Well, wow. I mean, 17 out of 20, um, and including all of the essential amino acids. Wow. I think it's pretty cool. I love shrooms. That's good. <laughs> good Portobello burger. Oh. Yeah. Yes. So this said one study showed that supplementing a cereal diet with mushrooms would help overcome lysine deficiency, which I don't know. I, I can't imagine putting mushrooms in my cereal, but <laughs> <laughs> that should, we should make a new, a new vegan cereal. That's just shroomios. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's terrible uh so yeah so think about adding some mushrooms to your diet and then we do like shroomios with marshmallows <laughs> <laughs> part of a healthy and nutritious charms. vegan breakfast <laughs> all right is that it i think, I think we, that's uh, it i think i think we've i think we've we did it i think we managed to talk about protein more than any carbs. of them yeah, definitely I think more so. than fat. Yeah, yeah. Any final statements? Um, yeah. So, the last statement is going to be that next week's podcast is going to start a mini series on listener questions. So, um, we're probably going to do two or maybe three episodes where we're just going to pull questions from, uh, yeah, from you guys and uh, answer them on the air. So, if you have any questions for the next three weeks, send those in. We've we've already got a bunch in queue, so. Um, if you send it in now, it'll probably be like week two or week three that we get to it. I think I have enough questions just myself for a full episode. Well, we'll do it. We'll do a mini series on Dizzle questions at some point. <laughs> cool. So that's it. All right. See you guys. I've never driven a rally car before, but I'd imagine there are a lot of similarities between racing rally cars and racing bikes. Both involve speed, skill, and suspense. But one big difference is the navigator. The navigator's job is to communicate with the driver what turns are coming up, 
the severity of those turns, and any obstacles to look out for on course. With the help of the navigator, the driver goes faster. As athletes, we too need a navigator. This is where the coach comes into the picture. Like the navigator, the coach helps guide the athlete along the right path. When it's all said and done, the coach helps the athlete go faster. To take the analogy one step further, I'd bet the best navigators are those who used to drive themselves. Because of their own experience behind the wheel, they're better equipped to help the driver. This is what Ignition Coach Co. is all about. All of our coaches are elite level racers, and that makes them better coaches. They know how to train, how to prep, how to win, how to lose, and how to stay focused through it all because they are in the midst of that pursuit right now. Here at Ignition Coach Co., we believe that coaching and racing go hand in hand, and it's our goal to fuse those two things together. We'd love to connect you with one of our coaches. Sign up for a free consultation today. Ignition Coach Co., developing coaches, connecting athletes. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast. Like I said at the beginning, you can send any questions or topic suggestions to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email titled the Matchbox Podcast. Links to each of our social media pages can be found in the show notes. Tune in next week for another endurance training-related discussion and learn about how you can find that extra match for your next big event. Catch you all soon. Let's go! Let's go!